Listening to Innovators Collab, the fun startup podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Eric Nelcher. And on Innovators Collab, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the most innovative minds in the startup scene here in Europe. My goal is to turn my guest's wisdom into actionable advice that you can use to grow your business. No matter your industry, I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. And at the end of each interview, we have a little fun where my guests reveal fun and interesting facts about themselves, the stuff you won't see on their LinkedIn profile. If you're new to the show, I'm a marketing geek and head of partnerships at Tech Startup Bonjour. I'm also an American expat living in Romania. If you're curious about other European startups and what they're doing to scale, gain customers, or things that they do to differentiate themselves, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Innovators Can Laugh podcast. Also, you can play the Innovators Can Laugh game and have an opportunity to compete against other startup folks on Twitter. Just look for the hashtag Innovators Can Laugh. Hey, ICO fans. Today, we're talking about executing smart account-based marketing campaigns with Andre Zikiewicz, co-founder of FullFunnel.io. Andre is a pro when it comes to full-funnel marketing strategies for B2B companies. He started his career as an area sales manager for Kimberly Clark before switching to marketing and working as a CMO and B2B marketing consultant with over 50 companies across Europe and North America. Andre now consults growing B2B companies that have a long and complex sales cycles. And Andre and I discuss in this conversation the thing that companies should stop and start doing when it comes to ABM, the sales problems that he and his team solve for B2B companies, and the most important things he learned when it comes to ABM over the years. If you're wanting to get a better understanding of ABM and be smarter about influencing the decision-making process when it comes to sales, then this episode is for you. And if you want to listen to this on YouTube, you can find my channel, Innovators Can Laugh, and check out episode 46. Let's dive in. Andre, I'd like to start off with a, a recent LinkedIn post that you shared. You shared step-by-step -step how to identify great accounts for an ABM campaign, how to qualify them, how to do account research to identify the potential needs, identify the buying committee, and how to warm up the buying committee and build a relationship before outreach. Keywords here, before outreach. When did the idea of doing all of this account-based marketing pre-work first occur to you? So that's a, that's a fantastic question. Look, one of the problem, one of the most funny questions I'm receiving is how did you, you know, get into IBM? Did you learn from any vendors? And I'm explaining, look, I started my career in 2006 and first five years I spent in sales and then switched to marketing. And basically I was in charge of key accounts and our market was limited to 50 core retail chains. So you have no chances to do anything else than account-based marketing, right? So I learned it the hard way. There were no technical vendors like HubSpot, Terminus, you know, demand base or whatever. So it was just a normal sense of doing marketing. And then you realize, okay, you have this 50 core chains and you sign yearly contracts, right? 
So it's not like you negotiate every month, you know, dealing with this. There is no stuff like lead generation that you can send, you know, automated emails to, let's say, the buying committee of these chains and get some bookings, <laughs> some meetings booked, you know, and then you sign contracts because these are multi-million contracts. <laughs> you have, you, you know, you have no other chances than doing your work properly. So to get, and when it comes to the operations, just want to give you some context and background, and then you'll understand my approach and methodology. When you sign these contracts, you are always negotiating the so-called shelf share, basically how much space on the shelves in the supermarkets you'll get for your goods, right? Because we were, I was working for Kimberly Clark. So now the more space you have, the more items you can sell, right? There are of course other different things to be considered, but just to give you the, the idea. So to influence this, you need to explain the benefits, you know, of different, because in Kimberly Clark sold different product categories. It was baby diapers, feminine care, you know, all of that stuff. And you need to explain this to different purchasing managers. And then you have the head of the buying committee. And then you have marketing department who cares a lot how you're going to promote, you know, your products, how you're going to stimulate sales and all of that stuff. You see where the buying committee comes from, right? And all of them have different needs. So while the category managers, they care about the, let's say, ROI from one, let's say one square meter. So they want to get maximum revenue from the space they have for their specific category. Now the head of the buying committee or head of purchasing department is cares about the total revenue that you can print as a vendor. While marketing team cares a lot about your marketing budget and basically how you are going to boost the sales. So completely different needs, completely different KPIs, etc. Now, when it comes to account about your question, you need to follow with the news and press releases of these different chains, where they want to be. Are they going to acquire, you know, maybe are they going to expand their businesses? If yes, to what regions, right? Because all regions were not created equal, right? In some regions, you have lower purchasing power, which means that for this region, you probably should come with different assortment, right? You can't sell premium goods, you know, in the region with the lower purchasing power. So right. you need to see like, if they are going to, you know, to open huge hypermarkets or they are going to open the so-called, you know, drogeries or maybe small shops. And again, it influences what exactly to sell to these regions. And then that's, that's the power of the account research, because if you, if you know this information, right, then you can come up with personalized proposal and you are going to explain, Hey guys, this is assortment that I recommend for this, for these shops, right? For this format of shops, this is what I'm thinking to do with this format of shops. Then you mentioned that you are going to do this and that, and to help you to immediately, you know, boost sales, we are going to allocate this marketing budget to this specific region. And then this is my forecast. This is what we can expect in sales, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right now yeah. that's the account research part and the warm up part, right? You can't just come as a random, of course, they know the vendors, right? But the question is that we have much bigger competitor, which is Procter and Gamble, the leading vendor in the world, right? Doesn't matter in what country you live, PNG, exactly. 
doesn't yeah. matter in what country you live, <laughs> they will be leading in your country. Then in Europe, have, yeah, exactly. So in Europe, we have SCA, which is a huge Swedish company and is the main competitor for Kimberly Clark for being number two, let's say. Then we have Polish manufacturer called TZMO and then some other, you know, depending on the regions, we have some other competitors. And then you have huge competitor, which is private label of the supermarket, right? And they are going to promote their private label. Promote their, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you see when, uh, and now the question is, basically, you can't just send one cold email and say, hey guys, I want to have a meeting with you, you know, and sell you all <laughs> of my stuff and get 70% get of the shelf space, you know, in, 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 in your that chain. Work, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> no, it doesn't, unfortunately. So the question is also, what is really important? You have public press releases, right? But the key insights you can get from insiders or so-called champions, right? If we'll use, if, if we'll use ABM vocabulary, right? Champions, these are the people who are usually, maybe in our case, these were category managers who can give you the insights about insights, sorry, about what's, what are the, their main initiatives, what they are going to do, what's happening with the category, et cetera, plus some core insights about the company's initiatives. And that's why you need to have this warm up player, right? This is so crucial in our case, right? We didn't do like all that stuff that I'm promoting now like podcasting or LinkedIn thought leadership of all of that stuff, but right. we did completely different things. So what we did, we did micro events where we invited these core buyers, right? We had like one-to-one -one evenings, so we could, you know, invite them and just discuss and, you know, it was like so-called like a dinner discussing the trends in retail, right? This is the way how we build this relationship. Quite often it could be, you know, like non business event. So let's say if I'm, if I know, let's say that you are a big fan of football oh, in, in US, we have soccer, right? We, we call it soccer. And I used <laughs> to play, I used to play football all my life. I'm still playing. So I was thinking, I never thought that I will be in marketing. I thought that I will have professional football career, career. but what is nice here that I had just to give you a precise example. At one point, at one of my biggest clients, right? I knew that their head of purchasing department is also playing football and big fan of the local team. So my next step was, I'm like, Hey, so can we play together? Do you, do you, you know, do you have any training? So maybe if I, if you, you can call me, you know, just a friendly game, I would happily join you. And then he invited me, he saw, oh, so you are so good at football, you know, and then you have this relationship, non-business related. And then I say, hey, by the way, do you attend the games of this local, you know, football team? He said, yeah. So let's, let's go together and back basically next time I just purchased, you know, VIP tickets. So we went, we had some fun, you know, drinking some, getting some beers, you know, and it was like, now it was more friendly relationship, but at the same time I was able, you know, to chat a lot and get this insider insights. And that's exactly the warm up play, right? Because then when we had this yearly negotiations. It was way easier for me to come up with the personalized research. It was way easier for me to personalize it to different buying committee members, come up with this contract, right? And with the good program, I'm calling this program because it's like, 
yearly program adapted to the needs of different, you know, shops of this, of this chain. And I am sending this to them. And of course, now the part, maybe the last part of our methodology, like the creative outreach. And I used always, you know, how it's usually the end of the year, everybody comes with like different gifts, you know, purchasing like bottle of, I don't know, whiskey or whatever, right? Something like some expensive gifts. Yeah. yeah. Instead of this, I knew exactly their interests, their hobbies, and I sent it via couriers, what we are doing right now with, with direct mail, right? So it was literally the same, but it was personalized with handwritten note by me, you know, and that was fantastic and people always loved it. And that's why we had, like, that's why I had so much success, so successful career and then later was able to switch to the consultant side of the business. So hope this long story gives you more sense and more context what we are doing with account-based marketing. Yeah, it does. There's a couple of things you mentioned. You said back then in 2006, you didn't have the kind of tools that you have today. You didn't have HubSpot like you do today. So today, what are like three of your favorite tools that if you're doing account-based marketing, you know, these are the tools that I highly recommend that are going to allow you to be organized, you know, have all your contacts in one place and be able to make decisions based on the most current information that you have available. So regarding the tools, you know, I would, I would share with you probably again, it's not, not, not popular opinion, right? I'm always saying that you can do ABM without any software, honestly. So it's still like I just explained to you, you can still do it that way, right? The first step is basically before purchasing any software and building your tech stack is developing the processes. Until you'll develop the process, you won't understand what software will help you. HubSpot is not a silver bullet. Terminus is not a silver bullet. You know, the demand base is not a silver bullet. So start building the processes and then you'll see, okay, maybe if your company heavily uses, you know, Salesforce, then you need to find something that integrates with Salesforce and would be a fantastic add-on. So you don't need to spend lots of time, you know, to train people to use a new software. So that's, that's the way, but basically I would print you, I, I would share with you several categories of software that you must have in your stack that would be potentially, if I could have this, you know, in the past that even accelerated all the results that we had at Kimberly Clark. So first of all, it's intern data software. And when it comes to intern data, there are so many vendors, I would just give you the key, probably three core categories that you need to, to per, maybe have software or purchase a software. So the first one is website IP identification software that reveals the website visitors, companies that are visiting your website. That's crucial, right? So you can track the awareness, uh, you can understand what content was consumed, right? Where did they come from to find the core channels? And then you can connect with the buying community again, if this account fits your ideal customer profile. So the second one is mention. It's we have like mention.com, there are again so many alternatives, but the key idea here is that you track the keywords in your space. It could be your brand mentions, or it could be, you know, the keywords that are related to your product. In our case, account-based marketing, right? And then you see all the mm -hmm. tweets or 
credits uh, or whatever, right? So, and then you can engage with this content. You can see who exactly posted this and again, qualify the account and add this account to one of your ABM plays. And finally, the third one is the intent search software. So Bombora provides really great service where you can see companies that are searching for specific keywords, like account-based marketing or whatever. So these are three categories, right? That belong to intent data. The next one is sales enablement, or I love to call it buyer enablement because it's about helping our buyers to make the decision and basically select us as the vendor. So in this uh, space, we need to have so-called content hubs, right? Again, there are so many vendors, we use paper flight. And what is great here about this category is that you can create a dedicated content hub, let's say content hub for Eric, where I can put, if you are, let's say, if you are interested in account-based marketing, I can add our top case studies. I can share with you our framework, like how to go from zero to ABM, how to scale ABM, explain how to work with us. What's the difference of, of working with full funnel.io versus lead generation or marketing or digital marketing agency, sharing the benefits for marketing team, sharing benefits for sales team, making the campaign pilot campaign forecast, right? And you don't, and the power of this dedicated content hub is that now, you have everything in one place and I try to address all your potential questions, concerns, or doubts that you might have, right? And you, okay, this is, I have this question, oh, I find it here, right? I have this question, I find it here. And that's the way, this is how we can accelerate the purchasing decision. That's crucial. And aside this, of course, LinkedIn, if you're in B2B space, you need to have LinkedIn sales navigator because it will accelerate the account list building process. And CRM, that's, that's pretty it. Okay. And now when it comes to running ABM campaigns, what, what do you think is something that everybody should either stop doing or start doing? I know you mentioned that before you even get into the tools, you want to come up with the processes. But in your experience, what is something that people are doing that they should really just stop? First of all, stop building push list of dream accounts. <laughs> Everybody wants to have Microsoft or Apple's logo on their website. But the truth is, if yeah. Microsoft or Apple, if they don't yeah. have point intent, if they have zero interest in your product, then you're just wasting your time and budget. So that's the first thing. Casey, 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 I, I, Casey, I don't know if you're listening to Andre here, but stop asking me about Salesforce. Okay. <laughs> He's asking like, what are we going to integrate with Salesforce? I'm like, I'm working on it, but come on. <laughs> okay. So stop building, stop building wish lists. That's <laughs> from split. <laughs> so that's, that's the number one thing, right? I think that this came from ABM MarTech vendors, or basically they are propaganda. So they spoke a lot that you can, you know, build this list, use this fancy companies, add them to our platform and boom. And that's basically the second mistake, simplifying ABM. ABM is nothing new, but I just explained to you how we did it at Kimberly Clark, right? This is a methodology where you're going to prospect and activate specific accounts. But the truth is that these accounts should have a buying intent and should 
fit your ICP. And when it comes to ICP, it's not only that's potentially another mistake, not having a clear ICP, right? So it's not everybody that fits your thermographic data company that is New York, let's say New York based, I don't know, 1K employees and the revenue is like 1 billion, whatever. It just, it, you end up with a broad category of companies that potentially have zero intent to buy, right? Then you need to have right. account qualification criteria and account disqualification criteria. What makes this account good fit, right? And then you start nailing it down, adding some important things. And most important, account disqualification. If you'll apply everything, right? If there is anything else that will tell us that this account will never buy from us. Just to give you a precise example, uh, one of our clients, Enterprise FinTech Software, that uh, helps to hedge financial risks caused by currency fluctuations. It's mostly, you know, for European companies that are exporting a lot and are trading in, in countries with the local countries, oh, sorry, currencies like Romania, for example, yeah. or Croatia, et cetera. So a good disqualification criteria is that if we'll look at CFO's profile on LinkedIn and CFO is the main decision maker, and if this person is in his first year in this company, they usually never go in to purchase this enterprise software because they learn a lot about the interest industry, the company, they build the team operations, etc., and they are not just creating these processes and they are not dealing with hedging. Next one, if this person spent more than five years in this company on this position, it means as well that they have established the process and they have a vendor and they are not willing to change. So our sweet spot is the CFO who is in his second to his fourth year on that position in this specific company. And how did we, how did we learn this? You might be wondering from customer interviews, and this is mistake number three. It's not related to ABM, but it's just general marketing mistake. Most companies are never talking to their clients and they have zero clue, you know, about these insights that I have just shared with you. Finally, about, again, ABM simplification. It's not that complicated, but still, it's not the fancy, you know, fancy name for uploading accounts to LinkedIn or any ABM software, prospecting them with display ads, and then, you know, sending the gifts via Sendoza or just bombarding, attacking them, you know, using outreach or sales loft with like multi-channel cadences. No way. And you ask me if it works. No, it doesn't work. So it just, let's, let's call it straightforward. It's just a mass spam. It's not an account-based marketing. So when it comes to ABM, you have several stages, right? You have the fundamentals. You need to nail the verticals, the ICP. You need to understand the buying process. You need to understand the buying committee, right? How do they buy? What influence? what influences their decision-making process, right? What channels do they use? That these are the fundamentals. Next one, you adapt your value proposition and positioning and mass marketing messaging in general to this specific segment. And then you start working on ABM. Number one, step number one, account list building, right? So we mentioned several times how to do this. Step number two, account research. And when it comes to account research, you need to 
research the company insights, as I mentioned, right? And then you need to research what are the goals, the needs, the initiatives of every buying committee member. That's crucial because finally you'll be selling to people inside the organization. And this is what most uh, companies don't realize, right? You have different buying committee members. Maybe that's- Yeah, it's not mistake. just one person, yeah. Exactly. That's maybe another mistake that lots of companies are making. They just focus heavily on decision makers and ignoring other buying committee members. So step number three is defining how to warm up these companies. That's crucial. If you warm up these companies, the goal of, you know, that part is basically building the relationship, getting insights from this company that you can use. And I'm not saying pitching them later, but basically understanding what, how to fit your offer, how to fit your product or service to their needs and goals and present it to them in the right way. So that's the part of warming up process. Then you have the activation where basically you present this, right? And you want to generate an opportunity. And the last step is follow-up process because let's say you do the outreach, but then you need to do like several follow-ups to get the insights and finally activate the account. So more or less, this is what we just spoke so far about the, let's say, about the campaigns where the goal is generated net new revenue. And that's potentially, if if you'll ask me again about the mistake the companies what that they're making with ABM is just focusing only on net new revenue because then you have churn prevention campaigns, deal expansion campaigns, contract renewal campaigns, pipeline acceleration campaigns, etc. So try to share <laughs> as much as possible. Yeah. So you made the leap into the consulting side a few years back and you started Full Funnel in 2017, which helps companies with their B2B marketing. What is the, what is one of the biggest problems that you and your team help solve for these companies? Yeah. So we help uh, B2B tech companies with high ACV and long sales cycles to install Full Funnel account-based marketing, which means that we don't do only this net new revenue campaigns, right? But we help them to influence top of the funnel to create enough awareness on specific vertical, right? To create the right go-to-market strategy. So they would be positioned as a niche expert, not leader, but a niche expert, right? That's their potential prospects can reach to. Next one, creating the demand. That's crucial. And demand generation topic is exploding right now. But the question is, what does demand generation mean? For me, basically demand generation is generating unbound opportunities, companies that become interested in your product or your services. And the best way to do it is basically sharing your expertise, sharing the case studies, practical case studies, and capturing that demand, right? Next step is installing these warming up campaigns because the the truth is if you are not, if you are selling maybe to micro businesses, or if you are selling low ticket product, then maybe it's not that relevant for you. You can stick to right. mass marketing campaigns. But if you are selling, you know, high SUV product, then it's mandatory. You need to connect with this buying committee members. Next one is where we usually work with companies is operationalizing this and staking different warming up campaigns. But because the truth is that the best part 
the, the best outcomes, the best results from ABM, your company will be getting when you are stacking these campaigns. It means like if you, if this account, let's, let's pretend you are my target account, you didn't engage with one of my campaigns. I'm simply adding you to the next one because the time might not be the right for you, right? right? And up, there are multiple, multiple things. And still, I know that your company is a perfect fit and I can help you. Next one is, um, activation part. And usually most companies stop here, but we have two more stages. We have the client success stage and deal expansion stage. And that's why we call it full funnel marketing. Why? Because when you close the deal, when you won the deal, right? The real relationship starts. You need to do the right onboarding. And in our case, I'm not talking about the product onboarding, like most people think in science. That's a completely different story. I mean that now you need to train if you are, let's say, if you are selling 2 million software, right? To the organization, you need to explain people how to use it, how to get maximum of it. You need, you must make sure that they're satisfied everything. Everybody gets, you know, your product and starts using it because if you are not doing this in one TR, you'll be dealing, you know, with a situation when you receive an email, sorry guys, we just decided not to renew our contract <laughs> and then boom, <laughs> your revenue is shrinking, right? Nobody wants to be, yeah, yeah. no one, no, nobody wants to get that email. So that's why I spoke about contract renewal campaigns earlier, right? So you yeah. need to also, this is a place for customer interviews, something that I mentioned in the beginning. This is where you can ask these questions about their needs, goals. Why did they decide to purchase the product? Talk, speak to different buying committee members, speak to the end users, right? And help them to get maximum of the product, tracking the satisfaction, etc. And tracking the milestones. When it comes to milestones, I mean, if they got any value of this product. Because if they didn't get any value, how can you get the referral? How can you get a case study? Yeah. How can you upsell to this company? What most companies are doing, and it's for me, it's like, it's an obsolete tactic. When they send to me, you know, an email, hey, would you like to leave a review on G2 Crowd or Captera, you know, and you can win $25 Amazon card, I'm like, Wow, guys, thank you so much. I was just going, you know, to cancel my subscription. It's yeah. so, it's, 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 it's so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they can incentivize me to prevent the churn. No way. Nobody was caring for me for the last three or four months now. And you are just reaching out and, you know, trying to, 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 and that's, that's really obsolete. So then when it comes to account-based marketing, we have three tiers, right? So we have tier one companies with the highest revenue potential, then tier two medium revenue potential, and tier three, the lowest revenue potential. And when it comes to marketing, does it make sense to prospect these companies the same way? Of course, no, right? Does it make sense to set up the same cost of acquisition for each of the tiers? Of course, no. But most companies are doing exactly the same. They try to prospect all of them the same way. And the same with client success, right? If it's tier one company that just brought you two millions, right? It's 20%, yeah. let's say, of your revenue. Should you onboard them the same way with automatic emails? Makes no sense. No, 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 we're, yeah. 
we're, we're talking about that, like our best customers, you know, we should give them like a dedicated Slack channel, you know, we should make like a, a dedicated either Slack channel or, you know, phone number, hotline, whatever, so that they can get in touch with us immediately if they need to. Andre, you know, very, very good examples here of how you should approach these different tiers, but a struggle that most companies are doing is that they're, they're doing it all the same. One, one tool that I've become interested in is called Crossbeam which allows you to see the overlap of customers and non-paid customers with other brands. What do you know about this tool, if you know anything about it, and what is your thoughts on it? Honestly, it's hard to say because I have never seen it. I have never used it. So it's, it's, it's really hard to, you know, to provide any feedback without having any prior experience. Okay. Now, in regards to marketing and sales, are you reading, reading anything lately or listening to anything lately that has blown your mind or changed your perspective when it comes to account-based marketing or sales? What blows my mind is talking to our customers. That's every time, you know, you see, you have some <laughs> hypothesis and then they, you know, share this and it either proves what you were thinking, you know, or gives you like new perspective and you're, oh, wow. So I didn't think about this and then, okay, we are running. So we are doing literally the same that I just explained, explained to you. So we are not, you know, shoemakers without shoes. So <laughs> that's quite often, you know, I use these insights because we do the account research beforehand and I'm like, okay, this is probably something that I missed, right? Okay, this is something that I could do better next time to refine the process and potentially accelerate the sales cycle. So customer insights is the best thing for me. Aside this, it's our community. Quite often I see the questions that people ask, you know, it gives me better understanding of like the need, the market needs and peers conversations. So chatting with people like Chris Walker, right? Even he speaks more about the demand generation still. It's highly aligned with account-based marketing. So basically talking to my peers, for me, the biggest inspiration was the full final assignment, the third edition that we hosted last week with all this, you know, star lineup. I got lots of practical insights. I won't say that I learned something new, but it always, you know, you hear how different people think about the same, so from different angles, and it helps you to refine your own processes and knowledge. I honestly, if you'll ask me, I stopped reading blogs. I stopped reading newsletters. I mean, marketing related, etc. What I'm reading, I'm reading a lot. Uh, now I'm reading lots of historical books, economy books, etc. because they are given me this information, you know, that you can use to, to, you understand, you always have, you can understand the bigger picture, right? And when you have like a. 360% degree, you know, on sort of 360 degree overview of like one specific problem. You understand it from different angles. It's way easier to help your clients to get better results. Awesome. Now, before we go, I have a couple of fun questions for you. So the audience can get to know your personality, personality a little bit. First question for you, Andre, what attractive celebrity would you set? your phone's wallpaper to, okay? If you had to set your phone's wallpaper to an attractive celebrity, who would it be? Ah, that potentially that would be Alessandra Del Piero, ex-player of Juventus, my favorite football team. 
you can still see I am wearing the hoodie. <laughs> Big fan of it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Second question for you. What is something weird that you obsess about? <laughs> that was unexpected. Something weird that I'm obsessed with. Maybe, maybe understanding, you know, this like different historical trends and how they are influence, how their influences where we are right now. So I'm trying to, you know, dive deeply and get this practical, you know, get this different you know, insights and say, okay, so right now we're dealing with what, like, I don't know, Austrian Hungarian empire was dealing, you know, 200 years ago. So it's a similar situation. And then they did this and then we don't have this empire anymore. So potentially I need to do something different. So just to give you maybe a precise example. So this, these are the things that, yeah, I don't know if we can call it weird, but yeah, I, I'm really obsessed. So I'm trying to see all the circumstances and understanding, you know, all, as well, when it comes, let's say to our business, to our clients, understanding the behind the scenes, right? Why people are doing this or why they are not motivated to do something, right? Why they are struggling right now. So getting these different perspectives. Okay. Interesting. Andre, thanks so much for being on the show for everybody listening. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to give us a review. All right. Thanks, Andre. Cheers. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. What a great conversation with Andre. There's so much to benefit from if you are trying to reach and influence decision makers in the sales process. My favorite takeaway here is that positioning of your product is not suitable for everyone at the same company. Every department has their own goals. And so how you warm them up is a little different for each person. But before you even get to this point, you have to qualify your leads first and build a relationship. And there is no better step-by-step -step resource than Andre's Blueprint. I've included links from the show on the Innovators Can Laugh website and newsletter. It's number 46 if you forgot. And if you enjoy this topic, feel free to give us a review. As always, thanks for listening. Keep hustling out there. This is Eric signing off. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and star rating. Also, don't forget to sign up for the ICO newsletter at innovatorscanlaugh.com where you can get the bio and details of each guest. Thanks.